0: Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast, I am Warren Munson, the host of the podcast where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and experts from a variety of sectors are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. In line with Evolve's principles, we also look at the importance of personal development, accountability and collaborative support in the pursuit of meaningful success. Through the insights of our guests, as well as my own business journey, The aim is to inspire you, the listener, to become better in life and in business. Welcome to this week's episode. My guest today is Jeff Lester, serial entrepreneur and founder of several companies, including two in the property sector, and most recently, a health, fitness, and nutrition company called Fit at 50 Plus. Jeff has certainly had a varied career full of successes and challenges. But those challenges have included losing everything on a themed restaurant and bearing the heavy toll and brunt of the 2008-09 financial crash and the significant impact that had on his property business. Jeff talks naturally and candidly during the course of this podcast on those experiences. Clearly a natural risk taker who thrives on transforming ideas into products. Jeff has led a very eventful life and having known him for nearly 20 years, I've always wanted him on the podcast to tell us about his story. So in this episode, Jeff talks at length about his topsy-turvy life of an entrepreneur.
1: Whammy after whammy after whammy. So this is the thing about entrepreneurism. Sometimes you just get, you know, you get side swipes, You just have to take it.
0: Describes the rock bottom moment that made him turn his life around.
1: And then very shortly after that, uh, I got diagnosed with prostate cancer and having a tumour in my bladder
0: and how he's used the accumulation of all of his experiences to start yet another business.
1: What you really ought to do is you ought to share what you've been doing for the last 14 years as a product. This podcast
0: amongst others that we've recently recorded proves that leading a business can be challenging and that's why Evolve gives you the access to a community of like-minded business leaders and supports you through our peer groups our coaching as well as providing training and development for you and your team these core services are supported by our regular events webinars insights articles and this the weekly podcast if you want to know more about evolve and our forthcoming events and our business festival as well as our co-working space then please do go to evolvemembers.com but for now let's get on with the show Jeff, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Fantastic to be here. Absolutely
1: fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: So we probably should say from the off, I've probably known you nearly 20 years, Jeff. It's a long time. It is. I've seen you through some successes, some struggles, some failures, but never giving up. So that's what I really want to touch on during the course of our conversation, Jeff. Um, But probably should go back to what you were doing 20 years ago that time successful financial
1: advisor when we met you yes um, you, i don't know if you even remember
0: i remember meeting you in holdenhurst road in your small office there as a yeah. financial advisor
1: right well I, that's 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 uh i was a financial advisor at the time but i'd already started with richard and paul courtfield leicester and yeah. we came to you uh because we were in a bit of a pickle if you remember rightly, we'd got into a little bit of a pickle with our CIS or something like that. And um, our existing accountants hadn't done a very good job. We'd ended up in a court situation, I think. And the judge said, you need to find yourself a decent firm of accountants. Yeah. And the lady that was representing us, I can't remember her name, lovely lady, she said to me, I've got just the guy for you. He's just started up on his own. <laughs> uh, Chat by the name of Warren Munson. Yeah, and um, and yeah, and the rest is history. We solved that
0: problem as I remember yeah. and recall.
1: Cool. Uh, and yeah, you became the accountants for Leicester, Leicester Corporation. Yeah, which is great. Definitely good times. So,
0: that was was that ever your first transition from sort of in business, be from going from a financial advisor um, to a property developer.
1: Not really. I mean, I'd been in financial services. Um, you might, you've you, probably forgotten, but I mean, I've, like I said, I've been a little bit of a serial entrepreneur. Yes. I got, uh, uh, I started out in financial services as a, as a uh, life assurance salesman, okay. which ultimately over the, over a 10 year period manifested itself into me becoming an IFA, starting my own company. That company was called Hampshire Financial. Uh, Ended up migrating down to Southampton, and after about ten years, I got a bit bored. Right. Um, And I just felt, you know, was this going to be my career for the rest of my life? Is that you
0: for the rest of your life, done and and dusty?
1: You know, and I think that bit of an entrepreneur in me just didn't want that. And um, and crazily enough, as a kid, I trained to be a chef. Back at college which you probably don't know about no. and I never wanted to be a chef because they're appallingly paid and the uh and unless you're a celebrity chef of course and um and and the hours are crazy um but I did the worst possible thing at that stage uh, in my career in that I sold everything and went and opened a whopping great restaurant in Southampton on the town quay called Shooter's okay and i put everything in the world i had into that
0: so you exited financial services i literally
1: i went on a holiday can you believe it i went on a holiday with a bunch of guys i grew up with who were my best buddies and we all went on a holiday to to uh to florida and we ended up in this restaurant because themed restaurants you've got to remember this is something like 20 years ago themed restaurants were just about taking off yeah and tgi Fridays had just opened in the uk and places yep. like that and we ended up in this restaurant called hooters <laughs> okay yeah. okay which of course you know big boobs and girls in the orange shorts so it was great fun but what really intrigued me was the, the these themed restaurants okay. popping up and i thought well why don't we have a go at putting a themed restaurant together uh in southampton uh, because we felt there was a bit of a void there so uh literally within the space of 6 months you wouldn't believe it i came home sold my financial services business everybody thought i'd never do it yeah and i i literally bought a, a shell on the town key a brand new development it was an empty shell and we built a, a themed restaurant in there wow and uh and uh, I ran that uh, with these five guys for uh, over a year. It did exceptionally well. And then ABP, Associated British Ports, bless their cotton socks, us, sent us a very polite letter um, advising us that they were going to be transferring the whole of the town key into offices. Oh dear. Which killed our business. Right. So we literally went from taking, I don't know, umpteen thousands of pounds a, a day in a week to, to nothing because it was a building site couldn't park and although um, we ended up getting legal opinion and could we sue abp and i mean abp are amongst yeah. the plc it's not the
0: sort of thing you take on unless you've got sure short case, you know. is it jeff
1: and the advice we were given by a very very friendly lawyer who's still a buddy of mine today said jeff just take it on the chin and start over that was the first time i lost everything Warren. Wow! First time I lost absolutely everything.
0: And do you remember how that
1: felt? Oh, it was devastating. Not only was it devastating, I I had I already I or also found out that I had my first child on the way, because uh, right. living in that very enclosed environment of a restaurant with surrounded by beautiful waitresses and being young and single, I'd ended up having an affair with one of them and. That, was, that resulted in my first daughter, oh, wow. Jessica. So something good came out of it. That was fantastic in that respect, but we found ourselves together. Yeah. Uh, myself, uh, my then girlfriend and, and Jess, my, yeah. my newborn daughter, broke living in a one-bed flat in, right. in Portsdown, in whatever it was, in Southampton, and uh, I went back to financial services. Okay, because that's what you start, knew,
0: that's how you knew you could make money, to I To start suppose. all over
1: again, I ended up going to get a job at, uh, at Eagle Star, I remember. Okay. Um, because uh, I was not qualified then. All the, F, uh, all the FSA rules had come into place while I was doing the restaurant business, so I found myself unqualified right. to do the job that I'd actually so done was, for like 15 years. So it was back to the floor. So I had to go back to, back to the drawing board, back to school, Right. Learned the the uh, uh, got got my got my qualifications. Worked for Eagle Star for a year, and then started the the company then called Hampshire Financial. Right. And uh, and that was that became a success in itself. We we became a very specialised business doing sips and sasses.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, we arranged a a number of sips and sasses for some of the top guys around. Yeah. And um, and because it's properly property related. Uh, sip and sass that's how my interest spiked in property okay and uh, and property was booming uh, back then and so I was starting to do quite well Hampshire Financial was doing well financially uh, yeah. I had a bit of money just been out and bought my first Ferrari Okay. and I was having a garage built on the side of my house to Put my new toy in. So no longer in a one
0: bed flat. No longer Life's in a one bed again. flat.
1: No one, no, no longer. But I, I, I parted company with my my partner. It was never going to work. We stayed together for a year. Uh, I was then a part time father to my then daughter, yeah. my daughter Jess, and uh and things think things were good again. Yeah, life was okay again. Thank, thanks. So I, uh I then teamed up with Richard and. Paul, who you both who you know yeah. well. Yeah. The reason I met them because they built this extension on the side of my house. That's okay. how that's how I met them. Right. And they were referred to me by a, a friend a good friend of mine. We became pals. Um, we really hit it off. We started socializing together and I came up with this idea look, come on guys, you guys are never you know, you're never gonna get wealthy yeah. building yeah. as contractors. You you know, the money is to be made in developing. Yeah. And um and stupidly they believed me. Yeah. And um and together we started um Courtfield Leicester, which I owned half of because I put all the money into it and yeah. they owned half of and they did the work. Yeah. And we bought our first development down in Bournemouth and um the, the rest is history. We became it became a very successful little development company and, and within a uh, a year I'd sold the Hampshire financial right, business. You didn't do Property's me. Really yeah. I, don't I need never that. wanted to go back into financial services. I did it because I had to. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I got bored for a reason the first time around, and that was starting to happen again. Yeah. And uh, I much preferred property. i i I much preferred making and making something so I yeah. could see
0: it. So there's not even part of you, even now, with the story that will flow through this, that thinks, why weren't you just content? With that nice lifestyle, the financial services business, the nice house, the Ferrari. All of
1: my friends ask me the same thing. I mean, the first time around, when I when I when I quit my financial services business, I mean, I mean, I was a very young guy, probably in my mid late twenties. I was already getting becoming financially secure. I Had a yeah. nice home, nice cars, a beautiful girlfriend. I just I was just fr- I was just a frustrated business person and okay. because I think for a lot of people especially entrepreneurs business and and entrepreneurs is a key part of life it's yeah. a real driver it's like yeah. it's like it's like a hobby you know I don't go to work because I have to go to work yeah. I go to work because I absolutely love it yeah and um and unless it's challenging me unless it's something I've got my heart and soul in you know you start to lose interest in yeah. it so for me and it's been and it's been the same situation throughout my whole life. You know, I've never got up in the morning and felt, you know, I'm at work. Yeah. You
0: so know? it's never about lifestyle per yeah. se for you. It's about the challenge. Yeah. And it's and about seeing yeah. opportunity and seeking yeah. out and that Yeah. And seeing opportunity. if whether,
1: seeing whether or not you can pull it off. Yeah. See if whether or not you can make a success of it. Yeah. And uh uh I also really really loved working with Richard and Paul. We're still yeah. all very close and um and uh, it was a, you know, it was a great shame. Well, you made a great success of it, didn't you? Because yeah, it was you know, a great success. You were building
0: multiple sites. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Hundred units a year. Yeah, plus we were
1: doing properly. very, we were doing very, very well. Yeah. And uh, and it was a real unfortunate situation. The two thousand and seven eight financial crash, you know, wiped out a lot of property yeah. developers, and. Um, and it was heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking it was it probably was the second time my heart was really really broken yeah you know the first time was when my father died very young yeah. and he was my best mate and i and that was a real real that was my first encounter with the dark side yeah. of life and uh, of grief and of loss grief yeah. yeah and i felt that same similar grief at yeah. that point because we also had you know, we probably had, I don't know if you remember, we probably had about, we, we had quite a few staff because we did a lot of our own building work yeah, with our own was team. that's what made you different, wasn't
0: it? You weren't yeah. purely a developer, you built out the your sites yeah, yourself. so
1: we had probably about 15 or 20 people, some of them have been with us, you know, since the get-go, mm. you know, and it was heartbreaking to have to let them go, you know, but, you know, looking back now, I, I suppose, wasn't a problem because they were all great people and they were always going to find... Income, work. They were always going to find a new way in life.
0: it's still, yeah. but when, so It's an interesting thing there just to explore, isn't it, Jeff? Because when you are the owner, it's something I've tried to contemplate a lot recently, and I suppose it's because of the pandemic and everything, yeah. there's a big sense of responsibility... Huge. ...that rests on your shoulders. Huge. And I don't think, unless you've been there, you under, quite understand that yeah. S- yeah. feeling and sense of responsibility that you take on as your business builds. Yeah. You know when it's in those early days and there's two or three of you, yeah. it's fun and it's exciting. Yeah. It's just a blast, isn't yeah. it? But, you know, corporate Leicester got when to When you
1: start taking lots of people on and you start to know their families and yeah. get to know them as people and uh yeah, it's uh, it's you you do feel a, a, a great sense of responsibility. Yeah. And um it's funny you should mention that because I cover a large part of that off in my new book. Your new book, Well, i is... you allow your plug for the new book? What's <laughs> it, the new book called? It's called and I shouldn't I mean I'm, I'm I'm probably allowed to swear on there. It's called Fucked at 40, Fab at 50. Okay. Um and uh, obviously it's a play on words as far as the book is concerned, but um but yeah, I had a lot of pleasure in writing that. Yeah. And um and yes, yeah, literally just been published on Amazon in the last couple of weeks. Brilliant! Which is brilliant. Really, really proud. Proud moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely it is, isn't it? When <laughs> you publish it your own book, just you just put author piece. behind your name. You yeah. just, you know, it, it doesn't matter if only three people read it. But, yeah. uh, but no, and it's selling. You know, from what I've been told by the publishers, the bloody thing's selling, which Good. is great. That's what you want to
0: hear. So, was it age forty? You're around about the time that two thousand eight happened, and you lost mid the forty.
1: So mid forties. Courtfield Leicester went down in 2007-8, and although we fought for about a year to save it, with you know, with uh, our tenon reports and Christ knows where yeah. the, co- the company went. So yeah. um, I, I found myself, I think it was in 2008 or nine, about 46, I think it was, um, broke again. Yeah. Because a uh, big lesson here, um, obviously, this being this this being a Financial services related chat was is that I made. I think I made two really big decisions in that whole time that we owned that company. It was fifteen years we yeah. had Courtfield Leicester. Is it that long? Yeah. So, so it was we a had... good successful spell, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But I made one fundamentally great decision yeah. and one catastrophic one. Okay. The great decision was we we were brave enough in the end to. Switch banks to remove our personal guarantees. Yeah, because we started with uh, Barclays. Yeah, Um, I can't remember our manager, but he was a he was a very well liked guy locally. But we six years in, we pulled him into the office and said to him, "Look, you know, we've gone from borrowing a few hundred thousand to a few million. Yeah, Um, we're still taking mediocre salaries as you do in property because it's so capital intensive. Yeah, Um, but we're now sitting on millions of pounds worth of debt." And we're and we're and we're personally guaranteeing it. That, yeah. that we we feel very very uncomfortable with that and, and me coming from a financial services background I felt, really understood
0: what that meant. Felt particularly
1: we? uncomfortable about that. But um, it was Mike Clark, if I remember rightly, from Barclays. Okay. Yeah. I think since retired. Anyway, so we sent Mike away to Barclays to see if they could remove our personal guarantees. He came back and said they wouldn't do it. Um, we then got courted by. Bank of Scotland, yeah, who we all know, yeah. So Mike Union was uh, uh, the uh, our account manager, really who, nice guy, who became best buddies with Paul. They used yeah. to go and see the rugby together, and I think actually Paul became a godfather to one of his children or whatever, right. something like that. But they become they became really close buddies, and um, and yeah, we moved our we moved our banking, all of our banking, all of our borrowing. It was right. very expensive at the time, very bloody. Painful at the time, but we shifted it all over, and um, and of course we ran for another seven years yeah. with H. Boss, uh, very successfully. Yeah. grew the business even more. Um, but H. Boss were the were the bank that got hit the yeah. hardest. And they got hit early, uh, didn't they? They got hit early. They got hit hard, and they in effect, Mike Union, if he's listening, bless his cotton socks. I can remember him coming into the office. Um, and walking straight past my door which he never did he used to walk past my door and give me a wave or say hello but he just dived past my door and into Paul's office Right. and uh, I could hear concerned conversations going on in Paul's office and I sort of picked myself up and went into Paul's office and Mike was explaining to um, Paul that we were F-U-C-K'd that the bank was rolling over it had no money it couldn't even honour the loans that we had in place right and that his job was to um, was to find ways not to let us draw money down wow um, and um. and to tie us up in knots and you know whatever whatever it took not to pay not to let yeah. us draw down that was the, that was his instruction so he had uh, he had resigned there and then and had come straight to our office to tell us what was yeah, going on and uh ironically would you believe it two weeks later he was recruited by barclays <laughs> that's the bloody irony of it. Yeah. i think he's still there yeah. you know so uh you know we lost everything he went to barclays but um um and, but yeah
0: and you talk about that and you talk about the catastrophic decision. So the good one was to remove the PGs. Yeah. the Catastrophic. The
1: catastrophic decision was we left all of the wealth in the business.
0: Right. Didn't put anything the other side of the
1: fence as no. talk to clients. I about. mean, we were building a property portfolio, as yeah. you might well know. Yeah, I and remember. Then we owned, We probably owned, we owned. We owned a portfolio mm. of property from right the way from Torquay all the way up to bloody Salisbury, mm. which was our pension scheme. Um, you know and stupidly and I kick myself now you know I suppose for tax reasons or whatever we we um, uh, we left the property in the yeah. in the company and we obviously cross guaranteed it yeah rather than have the personal guarantees yeah and that's and um, it it was it, it, it came back to bite us on the ball and you know we, we ended up losing it all yeah so literally the whole property portfolio but- went but is that the
0: sign of the entrepreneur that is always the optimist that you know even <laughs> when somebody <laughs> comes in and says you shouldn't structure it like this you need to protect it you need to put in a different company you're like no this, this journey's going to roll and ride and nothing bad is going to happen and ever the optimist
1: uh, no i know i mean it's uh, i mean it's a good it's a good lesson i'd like people to learn from that lesson mm. you know if it was one thing i could change um i mean it was a big mistake and i shouldn't have done it and um, if I, you know, in hindsight, I'd have done it a lot differently. Yeah. And um, and my advice to anybody that's um, contemplating that, especially if they're in that, that property bubble, um, just be just be careful, because yeah. um, the banks are even more ruthless today than they ever have been. And
0: how did it feel that year when you were fight? You've talked about it, that you spent a year trying to fight and retain and. How did that make you The, the, the
1: frustrating things of all, the, of, of, of the, frust- the the detail of the frustration, I mean, you can you know, write, write a book book on it. I mean, you probably remember back then that HBOS were forced into a merger with Lloyds mm. by the Chancellor of the Exchequer. And we thought that Lloyds would step in and help us yeah. because we had a 50-page tenant report. Yeah. An independent tenant report cost us thousands personally to have it put together to... The, that supported the continuation of the business. It said there's nothing wrong with the business, business is sound, you should be supporting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and both Boss and Lloyds said they couldn't do it. Uh, and then we put a finance package together through MSP. Yes. Do you remember the old guy yeah. that used to run, own yeah, MSP? They're still going strong yeah, now. Aren't yeah, I know, yeah, but yeah. The, 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 the founder, the yeah. founder, I actually, because I've got a home in Mallorca. This guy's got home in Mallorca as well, literally just down the road from me. And I ended up speaking to him on the phone. He said, look, I can't deal with you directly, Jeff, because I'm in Mallorca. And I think the guy was in his 80s. Right. And I said, look, I'll fly out to you. So I literally flew out to Mallorca to meet him. And he said, look, I'm just a financier, Jeff, all I do. But I ended up talking him into doing a JV with me. I said, mm. let's joint venture together, buy it all back. And um, and we were going to do it. So we put an offer together he put an offer together for MSP to, to buy it yeah. back, put the offer to uh, HBOS, and it was approved. Okay. So we, it was fantastic. So High five. Buy, <laughs> we're buying it all back from HBoss. Fantastic. The merger went through with Lloyds, and Lloyds pulled the plug on it so it so, was so a, so, so <laughs> sort of like a whammy after whammy after whammy so this is the thing about entrepreneurism sometimes you just get you know you get side swipes you just have to take it you, know. you pick yourself up again don't you yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's difficult real
0: low I mean you joke about the title of your book but you know that's kind of where you were I was, that, I, I, was, I was
1: fast I, I, was on, I was on course then for hitting rock bottom because yeah. um, when you're young You're bulletproof, absolutely bulletproof. I mean, when I was young, you know, having setbacks, having failures, you know, the restaurant business, you know, I just it didn't mean anything. Losing it all, it didn't didn't matter. It was you know, for me, and I touch on it in the book, the first part of the book. You know, for me, when I first started in business, it like sport. Yeah. You know, I'd come from a sporting background. I used to race motorcycles professionally. For me, business was like a transition out of sport into a different sport, and it was just about winning doing well and performing to your absolute best you know it wasn't about work and it wasn't about a job I never want to do that no. um, but um, um, but you know fast forward to when you're 45 46 and you've lost everything and all your staff have had to be laid yeah. off and you've got a you've, you've got a young wife yeah a, a young family you know I, I my daughter came along very shortly after mm. yours yeah um, we were at a golf event together when yeah. I was called to the hospital I was sat around the table eating yeah. dinner after our golf match and Jeff Lester gets the call and I had to drop everything and go rush, go to, to, the the hospital. rush to the hospital you know there's a, that's when real pressure kicks in mm. because it's not just you then you've got a lot of responsibility um, uh, to those around you and I was, I was at an all time low um, at that point and we were bro- proper broke Proper proper broke, and um, and um, I didn't really see because we were because the, the recession, I can it was really a deep recession, yeah. What I was going to do, you Yeah,
0: know. I suppose you weren't going to go back to financial services because that had moved on, on for 14 years, then the whole industry had moved yeah, on, yeah. Different know. world, property was dead yeah, got, on its knees, yeah. wasn't it? You didn't have capital to go yeah. back into that world,
1: and I basically, you know, I just had this thought what the bloody hell am i gonna now do for the next 15 years of my working yeah. life it was a real real conundrum it was a real challenge to think you know and i said well thank god i think i'm a bit of an entrepreneur because i've got to think of something uh to uh to fill to fill the gap because i'm you know i haven't got any money uh, i'd, I'd remortgaged my house mm. just to um, um, to raise some money while while uh, while all the world was falling apart, having having come from a very um, sound financial services background, I knew about mortgages. Mm. I don't know if you remember Northern Rock Building Society. <laughs> yeah. You um, really did pick them, didn't you? <laughs> well, when the when everybody was queuing round the block to get their money out, I actually slipped a mortgage application in right. and was one of the last ones to be approved.
0: Okay. <laughs> so,
1: so, <laughs> I nicked a remortgage out of uh, out of um, Northern mm-hmm. Rock Building Society which saved our bacon because it yeah. allowed us to raise a little bit of money to give us a little bit of breathing space wow and uh, and and um, I needed to get away okay. um, so we ended up in the States I ended up um, letting our, our home yeah um, and that the rent that we received on that property ended up uh, allowed us to rent a small place in the states so we went and lived on we went and lived on santa monica beach in california very close to a very very good friend of mine who's also a bit of an entrepreneur and um just to sort of breathe a little bit yeah, was and say, decide was, was what that happened.
0: about finding yourself again was that about yeah, a little was. bit about running away from yeah. the issues what what you think the motivation deep down was oh it to was to get that. away and to, and, yeah, to and to
1: and to try and find what the hell i was going to and really think about what the hell i was going to yeah. do because you know the, the pressure here was just so great yeah and um and it was really in the end it turned out to be a good move i suppose for lots of reasons because a lot of things happened from that from that trip yeah um um i mean st- i tell you why I'm an entrepreneur, Warren. Well, I mean, you'll never believe this, but years before, I'd gone to the States. I'd been going to the States for 20-odd 20, yeah. 20 years, and I'd been to the States. The, last, the, the previous time I'd been to the States was about five years before. Um, I, um, I met um, through this very good friend of mine, Sal, who's a very, very successful printing business. I met this guy that owned one of the last remaining denim mills in the in the u s and if you can think about that I mean I could tell you we could have a whole podcast on this <laughs> I can tell you but it was basically um, you know the rise and fall of the denim industry in the USA yeah. the, the, at the at the peak of the denim industry towns were built around these factories wow. like Levis and Wrangler towns schools hospitals were built around these factories and those factories were absolutely yeah. enormous but they were now all dying and there were loads of them and there was probably one or there was about one or two left in the states because all the denim was now being manufactured in, in china, East, china yeah. and india and christ and where else and and the towns were all crumbling and whatever and i i when i was you know sat with my things i pulled out this file out of my drawer because i would written down this i would written down a few ideas because i said to him about them well why don't you do a uh, an americana revival brand right you know, and pull on the heartstrings of the Americans and say, right, this is, these jeans are twice as expensive. They're a little bit like your, um, uh, I can't even remember the, all the top brands now because it was so bloody long ago. But um, um, why don't you create your own premium brand? Yeah, made in the USA. Made in the USA from US denim. It's cost cost twice as much, but it doesn't come from China and it doesn't come yeah. from anywhere It's all homegrown. And they said, "Yeah, we would love to do something like that." So I I ended up phoning this guy saying, "Look, my business has just gone a yeah. boom in the UK. I'm coming out to the states for three <laughs> Here months." Here I come. <laughs> do you want me to work on a little business plan project for you? Because it would be something for me to do. Because yeah. I just can't stop. And uh, long and short of it is, he and three other denim mill owners. Got together and said, right, okay, and they commissioned me to do a little report for them. So I actually spent three months in the states working on an okay. initiative, which so you was had great some focus. While which you were was there. which was great fun. So I put a little plan together for them, and um, I got I don't know whether they did it or not because my my then wife um, who had come out to the states with me because. Um, decided she she uh, I was then starting to think about moving to the states. Uh, okay. The the conversation around these Denim Mill guys was actually Jeff we like you you know why don't you come in and um, work. Why yep. do you, why do you come work in the states? Why don't you set something up with us? Okay. Yeah. us three Denim Mills come together we'll do this business and you can come in and consult or head it up
0: or lead it or whatever. Yeah. Yep. So
1: there was a conversation going on about me then
0: yeah,
1: us moving to the states. Uh, that didn't sit well with my my right. ex-wife. She um, she, um, which was probably another good reason why we went. Yeah. Because she made it very very clear towards the end of the three months, our three month stay, because we were on a three month visa, that um, that um, she didn't want to live in the states. She was very close to her family at right. home, and that uh, it was it wasn't an option. Right. So we came home. So you came home. To- Um, And then very shortly after that, uh, I got diagnosed with prostate cancer, and having a tumour in my bladder, which was quite large. And um, uh, uh, and then that's this is when I've I've written the book around this rock bottom, you know, fucked up forty, because you you
0: know we all think about business as being. To be yeah. all and end all, but it's not, is it? But Your then, health. Yes,
1: is, absolutely. And really it's and in. it's quite ironic because when you sit in front of a uh, oncologist um, who you've never met before, and they tell you you've got cancer, mm-hmm. and you know, and you don't feel ill, you know, you you feel you know, you feel completely normal. Um, everything that's really important gets crystallized in a nanosecond. Yeah, just like that. And it's certainly not money, and it's certainly not business, yeah. and it's it's your health. Yeah, it's your health, and it's your f- and it's your family, and it's, it's the, the ones you, you care about. Yeah. yeah, that's so. So that was so that was the point where um, lots lots of things got crystallised for me. Yeah, and um, and shortly afterwards, um, uh, I ended up on a skiing trip to uh austria which i go on every year with the same bunch of guys two of the guys that i go on are, or i think one no one of the guys i go with is um was one of the original investors in the restaurant business one of those old time guys you know one of my so these are lifelong buddies i've been skiing with them for 20 years we we go to the same resort because paul one of the guys that that uh, we go with has got a little home out there and um and i decided that uh I I I had had a referral for a clinic in in Switzerland an alternative healthcare clinic in Switzerland. Okay. So I went I went to Switzerland. I actually got on the train from Zelmsee did a beautiful trip across Austria to Switzerland and went to see this consultant um, and very very simply in a very very matter of fact Swiss kind of a way the Swiss have a real way about them. We do. Um they basically said, Jeff, if you don't change your life, you're probably gonna die. Right. Um, and, um, you know, you've got to go home and do some serious thinking. You've got to, you know, you, you can, you know, forget about having a, a fulfilling life. If you, if you, don't, if you don't change, you'll, you'll probably have no life. Right. And that was, uh, that was also a big moment for me. Yeah. So I came home and, and, and went through this massive life change. I was taking this supplement plan that they devised. I changed my diet. I yeah. changed, I t- de-stressed the whole situation. Right. You probably realise it because, you you know, yeah. I, you know, I I became a bit, little bit of a different person, mm-hmm. a totally little bit, different little bit of a recluse. Yeah. Just started to focus on what was important, my health, getting that back. And, um, and it all started to work. Um, but, um, this big change didn't sit well with my, Wife at the time, right? You know, and it was probably a massive change for her looking back now. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, I was probably changing as a person and the yeah. financial situation the whole, had changed.
0: Yeah, the uncertainty that was yeah. around, yeah. yeah.
1: And she, uh, she uh, decided one day that, well, it all came about because I went, I wanted to go away on a sporting break, yeah. which was a health activity break, um, which was all part of this plan I put together to switch off stop worrying about work start worrying about your health Um, and um, and uh, she advised me she wanted a divorce which again was a bit hard Mm. you know I didn't want a divorce at the time Um, and uh, and so I felt like within the space of a year um, business uh, health cancer divorce you know I was at rock bottom. That is
0: rock bottom. I was going to ask you how you define rock bottom, but I think you've oh, just it done was. it there, <laughs> There it was. So where does your resilience come from, you know, to overcome that? And what do you define as resilience? Because at some really point know. you're on your I don't,
1: I don't really know. I think when I came back from Switzerland, I, th- I said to myself, you know, you've either got to get, you know, it's a, it's a cliche, isn't it? You've got to either get busy living or get busy yeah. dying. Yeah. And you can either you can either look at your situation and feel dreadfully sorry for yourself yeah. or you can pick yourself up, dust yourself down and, and you know, make something of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was, you know, uh, that was 10 years ago now, I think. Yeah. Around about 10 years ago now. So, um, so I think what happened with the divorce situation, it made me even more determined to focus on my health. Okay. It actually gave me that you know one of the things that they said to me out in, in in Switzerland is that you've got to make significant life change, okay. And human beings don't really like change that much. No. And I suppose in one respect, my wife carried out one of the biggest changes for me. She made the decision for me. Yeah. Uh, and although at the time it felt to me like another heartbreak looking back now it was a, one of the best decisions sh- she made mm. for me yeah um because our marriage obviously wasn't working it, it obviously wasn't right um you know i became a um a sort of a joint my I, our daughter uh lived half lives half of her life with her mum and half of her life with me so yeah. we share we share custody of her which is which has worked and um uh i um i then went through that change process absolutely committed in a really committed way and uh and you know i really focused on my health really focused on getting back into Mm -hmm. shape eating well doing all the right things you know literally doing to a textbook what i was told i needed to needed to be done and um
0: and that's that willpower and determination yeah. kicking in, which is the entrepreneurial you know, spirit, isn't it? Yeah. Is that right? This is my focus now. So this is what I'm going to yeah. do, and I'm going to be the best. I at mean, one of the things that's
1: quite strange, and I, and, I, and a couple of people mentioned it. I mean, I you know, we had a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. You can imagine when you when you've been married to somebody for ten years or so, you have a lot of mutual mm-hmm. friends. I I switched off a lot of those friendships on purpose, purely and simply because there's just too much conversation about the old life and about yeah. the marriage and what's what's she doing and what are you doing and that yeah. so i just said well you know m- most of those friends can go with go with your yeah. my ex-wife i'm, I'm going to start over and it was for me it was like a do over
0: right
1: it was like starting from bloody scratch uh, you know i had my daughter which was great i had a handful of friends that are really my buddies and um, and i got invo- i got involved in a sport which I absolutely fell in love with, okay. um, which is beach volleyball. Would you believe? Because okay. I live on the beach, yep. you know, and it's crazy. Because I'm fifty; I was fifty years old at the time. Never hit a beach volleyball in my life, and uh, although I'd played loads of tennis, and um, and, was, and a stupid little thing like that became a life changer for me because it opened a whole new community of friends. Yeah. Um, ultimately, it ended up with me meeting my partner now. Yep. Who is crazy, you know i'm she's half my age, yeah. absolutely beautiful inside and out, and um six years on, as you know, we've just given birth to my son,
0: yeah,
1: and I've always wanted a son okay. you know i'm fifty nine years old I've got two beautiful daughters, but I've always wanted a son. Would you believe at rock bottom stage yeah when you've got cancer, your business has just gone tits up, your wife's just left you, you know you've got you know, you're in the, you're in absolute rock bottom that six years down the line, you'd meet the woman of your dreams. Yeah. And I, we get on like an absolute house on fire. She now runs the lemon squeezy car business. Yeah. And, um, and we've got a great set of friends and life's fantastic again. Brilliant. I'm in great health.
0: That's what we want to hear. That's
1: just, you just got to go for, you just, you just don't know. You just, unless you, unless you change, unless you chase it.
0: And, has it changed your view to be an entrepreneurial because you've you've talked about you started in the, in the period since you've started lemon squeezy cars motorhound part of artisan property partners Denti care there's there's lots of smaller ventures yeah. that you're nurturing and yeah. you know bringing some of forward. them are,
1: some of them some of them um have uh, haven't got off the ground i mean yeah. we we uh, we came up with this dentist care um, business um which I thought could be a a great success and in fact it was so close to being a great success but the the pandemic killed it because you can you um we literally were bringing it to market at the point of the pandemic starting when all the dentists all the dentists closed yeah that's not gonna it's
0: gonna have an effect isn't
1: it you know so you couldn't get worse timing you know sometimes for entrepreneurs you know timing is absolutely key you either hit it when the time's absolutely right. You can have or, the best ideas, can't you? You can be as determined as you like. Or but... you can get squashed. Yeah. You can have the best idea and you bring it to market and the tsunami happens. It's just, you, just, you just can't Is odds it? it, but you just don't, but you do not you say, right, that's it. I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to try that again because what the pandemic then did, it just gave me the opportunity. With, with, with entrepreneurs, people say to you, where do you come up with all these ideas? like you know, for denim jeans or, or mm. fit at 50 plus or dentist care or yeah. lemon squeezy cars or whatever because lemon squeezy cars is a completely different yeah. business from the mainstream it's a it's a it's a car club business that leases low-cost cars to to people that haven't got fantastic credit mm. that just want to drive a really decent car at a low cost yeah without having to get themselves involved in a really expensive lease and a lot of people can't even get a lease no, or finance got if they've got the credit, got, rating, if to haven't got the credit no. rating to do it. So we've carved out a really, really nice little business there. Which is which is which is growing great. So where does
0: the ideas come from then?
1: This is just it. If you're an, if you're a real entrepreneur, yeah. you you literally they don't they don't not stop coming. They just come and they they drive you mad. Yeah. Because you've been driving down the road and you see something and you think, hell, you know, you should, you know, you see something. You could do that differently. You could do could that differently. Yeah. It, just, it just happens. It's just, it's just, it's just there. And uh, and I just woke up one morning when the pandemic started and all this talk then of health, you know, and, and obviously older people were being yeah. affected by this the pandemic yeah. and uh and crazy enough i just come back from my skiing trip of that year yeah. in march when we were getting off the plane and a few people on the plane were wearing these masks yeah. and you were looking at them thinking they're a bit odd aren't they i mean they're yeah. taking it a bit too serious this uh, thing, yeah, this, thing you know? <laughs> this thing this things that's going on in china yeah. you know and a few months down the line of course you know we're one of the worst hit countries in the in the world you know it's absolutely crazy but it gave me the opportunity to um just to think well i've been on this amazing health trip
0: yeah
1: for 14 yeah. years um, and i've been taking this amazing supplement plan that was largely uh, prescribed for me out in switzerland uh, and i've been doing all these other things which i now call the four pillars of living forever young okay which is making sure you get the right nutrition making sure you get the right exercise making sure you've got the right mindset, mm. which what you talk about, yeah. and you know, Evolve is brilliant for that, and also getting the right amount of sleep when you're over 50 is absolutely vital. And if it means you can't join the 5 a.m. club, then great, don't join the 5 a.m. Yeah. club. If you have to sleep until eight or nine o'clock in the morning because you're 50 years old, then do it, because that's what your body needs, yeah. okay? Your body repairs itself when it's asleep. Yeah,
0: But usually you can't get great sleep unless you've got a great mindset. You are doing exercise and you're looking up... You can't just do nutrition. one. You can't no, do one. Four You've got plans, to do all four. Yeah. And
1: that's what I do. I do all four every bloody day. Yeah, And it's just a religion. Yeah. And I just thought, well, hang on a minute. How many other 50-plus-year-olds out there, you know, could take it, a little bit of inspiration from what I do? Yeah. And, um, and you know, the, the supplement plan I was taking is very, very expensive. I mean, it's... Big bucks, you know, yeah. in the big scheme of things, um, because, you know, there's no compromise on the quality and on the strength of the product I was taking. And don't, um, don't believe the naysayers yeah. that say that supplements don't work because, you know, ask any um, athlete, yeah. mature athlete or senior sports person to come off their supplement plan, they'll tell you you're mad because they swear by it because this stuff, this, this stuff works. So I thought, okay. What I'm going to do here's the pandemic. We're all in lockdown. Even my car business was in on in slow mo yeah. because the because the we were all told we can't sell cars, we can't do this, can't do that. So I said, right, I'm going to I'm going to use this time to do something I've really wanted to do, which is write a book. Yeah. <laughs> so I used the pandemic to write a book, um, and then the book started me thinking. Well, actually, Jeff, what you really ought to do is you ought to share what you've been doing for the last 14 years as a product yeah. and as a business and and sharing the uh, and sharing the plan as a whole the life plan and so i then reached out to this uh, formulations company told them about my story told them what i was taking told them what happened to me and they said to me well today jeff you could actually take most of what you're taking and you could formulate it into a plan okay. that is very very easy for people to take uh, and we actually love it. We actually've done some research on it, and uh we think we could tweak it a little bit and um and if you create it into a plan, we actually think it could be a big success in the over fifties sector yeah and um and we're quite happy to support you in manufacturing it. Wow, and uh hey ho, here we are here we are launched
0: Fits at fifty plus yes,
1: which is. So that you know, I mean, first of all, it's it's a uh, it's a, I suppose a foundation to this uh, four pillars yeah. that we talked about. Um, this pillar being the nutritional Nutrition. uh, assistance. It doesn't replace a normal healthy diet. Yeah. Obviously, we, we emphasise that you need to be on a normal healthy diet.
0: Not but you diet. don't have
1: to be fanatical. The problem that I've developed this this company, this business, from the point. From the for a normal person, yeah. somebody who's not necessarily fanatical. If you're a fanatical athlete, a bodybuilder, a triathlon, you know, you're taking this stuff anyway. Yeah, you know, they're not my market. My market is me. It's the man in the street. He's the man, man in the street. He's running street. his running his busy business. You know, he's trying to do a bit of exercise here. He's trying to do a little bit of this here. He's trying to do a little bit there. my, my this is all about Mister Normal. And is Normal, because there's two plans. There's one yep. for a lady and there's one for a gentleman. And um, they're both slightly different uh, because both uh, sexes have got different needs. Yep, there's needs. menopausal needs with the ladies and, um, and uh, energy and virility issues with the guys. Yep. And, um, and, and so, um, yeah, so we've, we've got on board a cracking nutritionist and formulator. And here we got this fantastic, brilliant plan.
0: And on this journey, then, has your view of business and being an entrepreneur changed in the last ten years?
1: No, not at all. I don't think so. It's become a little bit harder in some respects because um, I think from the last recession, the um, the the art of borrowing money has become yeah leverage has become harder hasn't yeah. It? yeah and um, and you know your your poor average entrepreneur has to put his soul on the line absolutely he has to put his house on the line yeah. you know i mean it's just you know the banks if, if and this is why entrepreneurs should be admired when they when they achieve their success yeah. you don't you don't see the blood sweat tears and risk that they take uh, to get where they've got yeah. so uh, yeah when they when they do when they do when when the small amount that hit the big time yeah. You know, they, they, they deserve all the kudos they, they the, get.
0: Yeah, they need the applaudits, don't they? And they, they, do. And they inspire absolutely. us, you know, yeah. the
1: the cast patterns, you know, the, you know, they, they inspire guys like me to continue to keep striving. Yeah. Um and uh you know. And
0: have, have you found it's that early part, that invention of the business that really you want. Yes
1: it is because the, this, the, the part I'm doing right now is the hardest hardest part yeah. purely because there's so many skill sets that you need mm. to engage you know uh, I don't employ anybody but I think I employ something like 10 or 15 people on this project I mean if it was if I if because it,
0: you're outsourcing
1: because I'm outsourcing uh, and sometimes it's even more difficult to outsource mm. because you've got to time manage those people into your business so you know every aspect of this business you know I have to outsource and manage that relationship manage the timing of it yeah. and uh, it, you know it can sometimes be brutally difficult
0: Yeah. and what are your dreams and aspirations for Fit at 50 plus then Jeff?
1: Six years, sell it, 100 million quid. A bit like Harry's shave, Shaving. something like that. Yeah. That'd be great. Right. but
0: well, there's the dream. Don't there's the aspiration it. listeners. Watch and, this space. Uh, yeah.
1: And then tr- tr- uh, um, one of the big things that my partner and I uh, are into, we follow a, a young couple called um, on YouTube called Le Vagabond. Okay. So if you're into sailing, uh, which we're not into yet, um, we follow this young couple called Le Vagabond and they've been sailing around the world now for seven years I mean they started off in a tiny little boat just doing their own little thing and they've grown this massive YouTube <laughs> channel I've now, and they've now bought this multi-million pound a catamaran all off the back of YouTube absolutely and they literally their lives are spent sailing around the world and, um, and that's what Olga and I want to do Olga and I want to get a catamaran and... That's your inspiration, and we're gone. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're gone. We're gone. Fine,
1: gone. Yeah. We're gone. The next podcast we will have will be <laughs> in a the Bahamas. Run in the Bahamas, Warren. Yeah, six years time. <laughs> That's nice. Hang
0: on in there. Um, so, I suppose we always end up with the podcast asking the question about success and your definition of success. But yeah, first off, I want to ask: Is your definition of success today different to what it was in the heydays of Courtfield Leicester?
1: Uh. I don't think so, um, because you know I. Even I, with those
0: lessons learned.
1: I, I suppose with the lessons learned, um, I would do things differently. Yeah. But the primary drivers are the same. Okay. You know, am I am I risking it all now, Warren? Yes, yeah. I am. You know.
0: It's just in you. It's just it's in, you know. There's you. no other way. No. So what know? is? So let's end the podcast with the final question, Jeff. What is your definition of success?
1: definition of success i suppose it's controlling your own destiny for me it's you know controlling my own destiny you know the you know being here doing this podcast with you is great you know that's that's the that's the epitome of you know of i suppose some level of success because you're you know you're recognized by your peers as being an individual doing your own thing chasing your own dream yeah. And uh and a fantastic place because obviously we, it's a it's a relatively small business community and it's great to watch those people that are that are doing well and uh you know achieving their objectives and their goals and it's and it's great to see young people coming up and, yeah. and achieving great success, you know. So yeah, you know uh for me for me it's just you know, the moment I stop enjoying it is the moment I'll I'll stop. Yeah. I'll go and get a job. <laughs> go and get a job. I can never test, see that happening, Jeff.
0: So it's been great to have you on the podcast. I've wanted you as a guest on the podcast because of your ability and your honesty, and you've just told your story so candidly today, Jeff. Yeah. So thank you for being a great guest on the Evolve to
1: Succeed podcast. Mate, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: I love Jeff's passion for being an entrepreneur and envy his willingness to really throw everything into whatever business idea inspires him next. However, as we've heard, it's that very same single-minded approach that at one point caused Jeff's life to unravel a bit, both personally and from a health perspective, a scenario we as business owners and leaders can probably all attest to to some degree or other. In the second part of the conversation, we heard how Jeff recognized that great changes needed to be made in his life and he implemented those changes with typical energy, focus, and determination. With his seemingly innate ability to constantly turn challenge into opportunity, Jeff is a great example of what resilience and a willingness to acknowledge and learn from mistakes can do. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do go to EvolveMembers.com and find out more about the services that we offer. Please do subscribe and rate this podcast, and I look forward to you listening to a further episode next week.